What kind of soil do you have? The street preacher at James Madison University was screaming at anyone with ears to hear, and most of us were trying to get as far away as possible. The young college students among me were far more concerned with getting to class on time than we were with the strange man yelling at us, but he continued to yell. Are you receptive to the word of God? Many of us walking across campus at that moment had spent the last few months and years trying to be receptive to all sorts of new ideas. But the man berating us, he represented the old ways of doing things. The unsophisticated, the unkind ways of spreading the good news. And none of us even looked him in the eye. If you do not receive the word of God, you will burn in hell forever. At one time, that might have caused some of us to shudder in fear or at the least stop in our tracks to contemplate our eternal reward. But on that day, his words were falling on deaf ears, but he just kept getting louder and louder and louder. Unlike the street preacher from my college days, Jesus, he went out of his house down to the sea. He did not frighten people in the midst of their daily lives. He did not berate them in the streets. His life and his witness captivated people to his presence, and he joined them by the water. Again, unlike the street preacher, Jesus did not stand on a soapbox or up in a pulpit to peer down on people. He pushed off from the shore in a little boat. He sat down, and he started telling stories. Parables are meant to be confusing. They're not simple and straightforward comments about the kingdom of God. Instead, they're supposed to leave us going out of church, scratching our heads about what God wants to say this day. So listen, a sower went out to sow. As he threw seeds as far as he could, some fell on the path and birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they sprung up very quickly, but were unable to root deeply in the ground and they were scorched by the rising sun. Other seeds fell among thorns, and those thorns grew up and choked the seeds out of their life. And still yet other seeds fell on the good soil, and they brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Let everyone with ears listen. Many of us here might have gardens, or at least we've planted something at some point in our lives. Lindsay and I yesterday spent the majority of the day trying to build a raised bed for a garden at our new house. And if you've ever done that like we have, you know how important it is to find the perfect soil. To find that perfect seed. To find the perfect amount of sunlight coming over the horizon. To find the perfect amount of water to make that seed grow. We know, even the non-gardeners among us, the value of being attentive to those things, the seed and the soil and the sunlight and the water, which makes this parable all the more strange because the sower is terrible at his job. I mean, he goes about flinging the seed this way and that. He doesn't take time to assess the pH level of the soil. He doesn't dig those perfect small holes for every single seed. He doesn't even clear the area of the other growth before he sows. The sower in the parable is like a businessman who offers loans to people knowing that they'll never be able to pay him back. 
The sower in the parable is like a wealthy family giving food to homeless people, knowing they're never going to find their own work. The sower in the parable is like a parent who keeps forgiving that wayward child, knowing they will never really change. The sower is like a church that opens its doors every Sunday to a bunch of sinners, knowing they're just going to keep on sinning anyway. Friends, the sower doesn't know what he's doing. Think about all the seeds he threw in vain. Think about all the time he wasted sowing seeds in all the wrong places. The sower in the parable is a fool. And that's exactly what God is like. God, our God, is a fool. Sowing seeds left and right regardless of the soil they land on. Our God is a foolish gardener. Jesus shared this story from the boat by the water, but it's more than a story because for him it was the way he lived his life. He went from place to place to place offering the grace and the mercy of God without caring about the people who received it. He did not overlook anyone as if they weren't good enough for it. He did not scream at people till he was blue in the face trying to convince them to follow him. He just went out to sow. For the early church, this is more than a story that just resonated deeply. It was how they lived their lives because it was hard to be a disciple just after the, after the resurrection of Jesus. There was poverty and persecution, false prophets and poor communication. The early Christians, they threw seeds everywhere they went and people rejected it over and over again. Not because it was wrong, not because it was faulty, but because sometimes seeds don't grow in the garden and in faith and even for us today the church of today this is more than a story that just resonates with our lives it's how we live it should ring familiar to all of us here like to those of us who are parents who offer words of guidance and support to our children and they don't listen we know about hard packed soil it should connect with those of us among the room who are business owners who produce a great product only to have our customers find something cheaper and less than. We know about shallow roots. It should ring with us here at the church as true because we invite families and individuals over and over again to experience the love and the grace of God only to have fewer people in our pews every Sunday. We know the heartache of bad selling. In ministry and in life, we spend so much time lamenting and despairing about the seeds that don't take root. We spend countless hours reflecting on why something failed and what we can do to bring new energy to a dead program or hope to a lifeless tradition. We keep funneling money into places with the expectation that it will change everything and all we have are the same results over and over again. The leadership of this church and I sat up in our social hall this week for a church council meeting and we spent hours talking about the problems of the past. Why something didn't work. What we could do to make that broken thing fixed again. And God, the sower in this story, does none of that. The sower accepts the reality that some seeds will never grow. And he keeps on sowing anyway. He is willing to throw the seed anywhere, no matter what the soil looks like. The sower doesn't return to rocky ground and fume with frustration and say, Why didn't you grow? 
No, the sower has hope that by casting the seed anywhere over and over that it will finally find the right soil to grow abundantly. I don't know about you, but every time I've heard this passage discussed in church or a Bible study, it's always about us reflecting on the type of soil we have. Like the street preacher I heard at JMU, we are forced to ask ourselves questions like, do I have shallow soil? Am I a patch of barren earth? Do I have the perfect soil for God's word? And sermons like that, Bible studies like that, they leave people like you and me reeling on our way out of church because instead of thinking about what God is saying to us, all we wind up doing is feeling guilty about the dirt we've got. But this parable is not about us. When we limit the story to what our soil looks like, we neglect to encounter the beauty and the wonder of the parable. If we leave church this day only thinking about our soil, we will miss the miracle at the end of the story because the sower trusts. The sower trusts that the harvest will be abundant. During the time of Jesus, sevenfold meant a really good year for a farmer. Tenfold meant real abundance. If a farmer reaped 30-fold, it would feed the whole village for a year. And a hundredfold, the way Jesus describes this parable, it would let a farmer retire to a villa by the Sea of Galilee. The sower, therefore, is not a fool and not brash in his sowing. The sower is faithful. So the question then is, do I trust like the sower? Do I scatter seeds of God's grace wherever I go? Am I filled with hope? Or am I afraid? Would I rather put my trust in earthly things? Do I think I'm a better gardener than the one who made the garden? The parable by the seashore is for those with ears to hear. It's not a call for blind and reckless optimism, but a call to trust. To trust that God will provide. Because sometimes we are the seeds that God sows for others. Years ago, I was at church on a Sunday morning, and it was a typical church service just like this one. People had gathered together to hear the word of God. There was small talk before the service happened. We walked in for the first hymn. We listened to the announcements from the pulpit. We stood up when we had to sing the hymn. We sat down when it was time to pray. We went through the whole service. And then at the end, when we had communion, I asked everyone to pray, confess our sins. And then I asked everyone to stand up like I did earlier in our service and share signs of Christ's peace with one another. And just like this church, that church took it seriously. Going about trying to find everybody they could to share a sign of God's love with somebody else. Forced. You stand up for a second. So my buddy Forrest, no Forrest a very long time, and he didn't know I was gonna make this. Come stand up. <laughs> I love calling people out of church because I mean what are they gonna do? Just keep sitting there? Uh, Alright, so stand right in the middle and look for me. So I hadn't noticed it, but there was a man who came in, a much older gentleman, at the beginning of the service, and he sat in one of the back and the furthest pews. And I caught his eye from the beginning of the service so I could tell how uncomfortable he was, kind of like Forrest is right now. <laughs> he held the bulletin in his hands, but he held it far away as if it was going to bite. 
When I asked everyone to stand up to sing, he, he stood up, but he refused to open his mouth. When it was time to pray, everyone in the sanctuary closed their eyes except for him. I could tell he didn't belong. And I watched as people were milling about for the passing of the peace, and he stood there, just like Forrest is uncomfortably standing here in the church. <laughs> and some older woman saw him and just walked up, and she wrapped her arms around him and hugged him and squeezed him tight, and then she went on to the next person. And in a span of ten seconds, like five people had come up and hugged him and just wrapped their arms around him and squeezed him tight like this. And just like Forrest, the man didn't react. <laughs> he kept his hands down like this, and his eyes got wider and wider, and the more people came up and hugged him. Right, you can sit <laughs> So the service continued. I offered communion to everyone that was there. We, we had our final hymn. I offered the benediction, and I walked out to shake everyone's hand. And like the good people of Cokesbury Church, everyone made their way out, they shook my hands, they said, oh, that was okay, that was kind of a boring sermon, it could have been better, be better next week, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and I noticed that one of our ushers saw the gentleman sitting in his pew. And the usher walked over because he was sitting there in tears. And the usher said, is everything okay? What happened? Did, did, did our pastor say something? And I said, <laughs> he said, I have to ask you a question. Do you greet each other like that every week? And the usher said, yeah, of course. Have you never been to a church before? <laughs> he said, no, I, I haven't. He said, really? You, you really do that every week? And he said, yeah, that's, that's passing the peace of Christ. We do that every single week. And with that, the man could not stop crying. I mean, the tears were welling in his face and they were screaming down his cheeks. And the usher said, sir, what happened? Are you okay? And the man said, that's the first time someone has hugged me in six months. My wife died six months ago, and that's the first time someone has hugged me. Can you imagine going six months without touching another person? Can you imagine how afraid and alone and despairing you would feel if you had not had that contact with another person. Particularly after losing a spouse. Six months. It was the first time he had ever been held by somebody else. That man was in no shape or form ready to receive the word of God. He was broken soil parched and cracked with the birds flying and the thorns growing. His soil, his soul, his life was in no way ready to receive the word of God. But Jesus' story is about more than our soil. It's about the sower who keeps throwing out the seed anyway. I don't know a lot of you, but I know enough to know that all of us are here because someone sowed a seed in our lives. It might have happened decades ago when we were a child. It might have been recent through a stranger. But we are the products of the seeds that God sows. On that day in that church, that man was held for the first time in six months. God threw seeds over and over and over and over until finally that day it took root. Our God is a high-risk God. 
Our God flings seeds left and right. Our God is relentless in offering opportunities to all people over and over and over again in the Bible. God calls on the last and the least and the lost to guide and to nurture and to sustain all of God's people. Whether it's the first time they've ever entered a church or they've been in church every Sunday of their lives. So friends, we might not want to let God take care of our gardens with his wastefulness of the seeds. But when it comes to the garden of the church, when it comes to your garden and my garden, the garden of life, I promise you there is no greater gardener than the Lord. I offer this to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One God now and forever. Amen. Amen.